Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. He says, oh, is there any Methodist pastors in the room? And so anyway, the, the colonel, lieutenant colonel who got healed, miraculous doing worship, um, when they called out, well, is there a charismatic pastor in the room? He said, that's you, Pastor Russ. Get up there and get the book. So he ran up there. So Katie had called Russ. You know, Katie's such an intercessor. My daughter Katie's such an intercessor. And uh, she called Russ last week and was just encouraging him. And says, you know, you need to call my dad. Well, the book he got was on testimonies of miracles in the, in the nations. And one of them, some of you may remember Cookie, who was part of our church, moved up to the mountains years ago. She went on a mission trip to Brazil with us, and there was a particular testimony he's reading about Cookie and me <laughs> in Brazil, and he goes, okay, I'm calling Pastor Tom. So we just had this amazing half-hour phone call of connecting and what God's doing uh, in this whole region. It's really exciting to, to be part of that. Um, I want to invite you, if you're free on Wednesdays, I know that's during the week, but Wednesdays from 9 to 10.30, we meet in here for intercessory prayer, and God is doing some a powerful uh, work among us. He's downloading uh, to us some, some strategic things that we pray about. But it was really neat on this past Wednesday, it's been the, Mary Esther came in with a word. She's one of our regular intercessors, heads up our Spirit and Truth dance team, and uh, also one of my elders' wives. And she came in and she said, uh, I've got, I got to share something. I got to, so you know us, we come in and we mill around for 10 minutes and whatever, and all the, right? And I finally said, okay, it's time to pray, everybody. We sat down, and she said to me uh, as we started, look, this is an urgency. This is a 911 situation I need to share. So we sit down. It's 911 in the morning. And I said, this is a 911. Well, two of our intercessors hold up their phones. It's 911. And so it was like, okay, God wants to have us pay attention right now. And it went into an urgency of a walk in purity. You know, we've been preaching about you prepare the sacrifice, he'll provide the fire. And so when children at five years old are sitting back here and they want to pull the fire alarm because they sense the whole place is on fire, um, you know, they, they see things in the spirit realm. God is inviting us into a, um, a walk with him of purity. We've had this desire in Psalm 24, to, who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Those who have clean hands and a pure heart. And so, but as you get top, towards the top, if you've ever repelled off a mountain, I took a team one time and went up in the mountains and we repelled to show about trust. <laughs> yeah, when you go off that mountain, it's 200 yards down. It's like, yipes. And so there's something when you get towards the top of the hill, you better lock in and you better trust the one you're with. Because it's different than when you're kind of walking up the mountain and it's nice gradual. When you get up towards the top of the mountain, you better trust the Lord in the midst of what we're doing. And so I believe there's an urgency right now in the earth. You listen to some of the prophetic stuff coming in. The Lord is coming back, and we think, very, very soon. The situation, it's becoming more and more urgent. There's an there's a invitation to come on in. And so there's a purity. We're to be part of the living stones, 1 Peter 2, that are being built in the temple of God. It's the fire that is coming. Um, and so I'm inviting all of us to continue to ask the Lord. David prayed. He said, Lord, show me if there be anything in me. Well, I've been praying that, and uh, I want to get humble for a moment. Um, some of you know me. I can, I can be a little sarcastic at times. My wife has said for years, I don't like sarcasm. And uh, Sarcasm, um, you know, when you get comfortable with people, it's kind of a way of communicating. It could be like picking on somebody who lost in the 49ers Super Bowl thing. <laughs> Not that I would ever do that, right? So here, here I am again. Lord, forgive me. <sighs> I'm sorry, Mike. <laughs> anyway, so, so, you know, when you get comfortable in the men's group and, and folks, and there's somebody that um, I really respect is such a servant heart, he called me this week. It took a long time for him to get courage. He said, Pastor, there's some things you've said to me. He didn't use the word sarcasm, but I did, that have hurt me. And, man, I apologized. And first of all, I love the Matthew 18 scripture. It says, if someone hurts you, sins against you, go to them privately and deal with that. Matthew 5 says it this way. If you think someone has an issue with you, go to them before you leave your offering, 
right? So you're banked on both sides of it. You think someone's got an issue? Go. And if they, you, you know they have an issue, you have an issue with them, go, right? Go privately, don't start gossiping. Anyway, um, I apologized, and the Lord really took me to the carpet because I've been asking, Lord, is there anything that you want to deal with us on? And this was one that if you're not, see, I'll give you some definitions. Sarcasm is, um, it's a mocking humor at another person's expense. It's negativity. It's an irony to mock or convey some form of message. But here's what the Lord says we're to walk in. These are several scriptures I downloaded. I said, Lord, what does it say about lifting each other up? 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, therefore, encourage and build each other up. Romans 14.19, pursue the things which make for peace and build each other up. Hebrews 3.13, Encourage one another day after day. Ephesians 4.29, let no unwholesome words proceed from your mouth as is good for edification so that it gives grace to those who hear it. Ephesians 4.16, the whole body being fitted together, building itself up in love. Ephesians 4.15, speaking truth in love, growing up together in Him. So, Lord, I pray, Lord, as you continue to peel back the onions of stuff, that you just want us to become more and more mature, more and more uh, willing to uh, uh, come under your surgery so that you cut away the things that are not pleasing. It says, seek holiness in all things, right? Build each other up in the most holy faith. We're not to be like the world. So I thank you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So if you've got any issues with anybody, I encourage you to, to deal with those and let the Lord speak to us. Well, I want to um, encourage you to come out Wednesday night. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go deeper than I've ever gone in warfare for the body. Part of it is to get ready. So Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8, the next eight weeks, we're going to be doing a breaking free. Uh, we're gonna have, we'll go through the ministry manual. We're going to equip both on salvation, healing, and deliverance, the things we're going to talk about, curses. Um, I'm going to give everybody a copy of my book. It would be one of the required readings. We're gonna, we'll lay some foundational stuff, which is what we need to do first, what we, the statement of faith, what we believe. But the Lord has uh, really put on my heart. I've, I've pulled out some of the, the real warfare stuff that has gone on in prior, what I'll call the those who led this thing, Lester, Lester Summerall. Some of you may know him. I'm reading through one of his books. This is not going to be for the weak of heart. We're going to look at some real um, testimonies. We're going to hear a testimony one night uh, from an ex-Satanist who's now been saved and delivered. He's going to tell us the strategies he used to destroy Christians, okay? It's a, it's a riveting one. Um, John Ramirez is his testimony. That'll be one. And then those who are going to go on the mission trips, uh, we'll, we're going to look at some details on how to fight this war together. But um, come prepared. Start uh, preparing your own heart for this. Ask the Lord to show you anything that is getting in the way. You know, holiness is a choice. Be ye holy as I am, right? So there's a choice of walking down these. And all of us have blind spots, areas that we think we're okay, but he wants to go take a Take a sandpaper to that, amen? Okay. All right, enough said on that. Let's, uh, let's if you would turn with me, first pull out your, your handout. Hopefully you got one of those. I titled the message this morning, Minister and Serve. There's a difference between minister and serving. We're going to look at that. Um, this is pretty much meat and potatoes this morning. This is not a milkshake, so... Button up. I hope you brought your word. Never come to church without your word. You just you have to have your sword with you, right? You you want to? I I love the paper version of this, right? Some of you like your phones. That's okay. But I, there's something I just know on the left page in this location is what. I mean, I got years and years. When I get a new Bible, it takes me so long to transfer everything. But there's something so wonderful about where it's found in here. Get get real comfortable with the Word, right? Meditate on this Word day and night, and you will succeed, Joshua 1.8, right? Um, keep it down. It, it, it's equipping. It's uh, 
2 Timothy 3.16 is, is that the Word of God is, is able to instruct us, equip us, right? It's full of living power. Hebrews 4.12, 4, it is full of living power and is able to cut between soul and spirit realm. Fall in love with this. He is the Word, right? And He likes to speak to us. All right. Um, minister and serve. I want to kind of look at this in a moment. When you hear the word minister, if it's the noun, you can think of clergy, someone who's a, in profession of ministry, but it also could be in the government, someone who's the head of a, de, of a department. In the diplomatic area, it could be ambassador. He's a minister of the, of the, of the nation for, as representing. Under the minister, the, the bottom line of that is authority. In order to be a minister of the gospel, there's an authority that comes, right? It's uh, in the ordination process. We're going to have some people licensed at Voice of the Prophets coming up. But when we went, received our ordination, we were licensed and ordained as a, an under the authority of Jesus Christ. And so a minister that represents our government is under the authority of the government. The ambassador to a particular nation is under the authority and represents our government, right? So under the ministry or minister is an authority foundation. And do you know that you all ministers? In the New Testament, it says this in Revelation 1.6, won't turn there, it says, he has made you to be kings, right? He's made you to be kings and priests. You are a minister of the gospel. In 1 Peter 2, we won't turn there right now, but it says, you are, in fact, the living stones that are formed together in the temple of God. Know ye not that you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood. Whether you're acting like a priest is another question, but you are still in that place of being a minister to represent, represent him to the world correct? And so, as a minister, you're under the authority of the gospel, and as soon as you say, I belong to you, your name is written in his book, you're no longer a citizen, you're a new creature in Christ, you've been transformed, you're seated in a heavenly realm, and you represent him as the kingdom people. Amen? Now, service or servant is a different term. That one comes under the foundation of submission, one who serves, in fact, it, it means to provide and care for others. You could serve in the armed forces. They tell you, go to Afghanistan. <laughs> go on this assignment. You do one of these things. When I was in the Navy, they said, you're going to be on doing, yes, sir, you do that. If not, there's consequences. So in the service of the Lord, you serve in humility. So the foundation of a servant is humility. Jesus deals with both of these. I believe where the Lord wants us to go is to understand, one, our authority, our identity as ministers, but he also wants us to understand the humility of service. And when you put those two together, when you know who you are in Christ, and you know how big he is in you, and you serve under that in love and humility, man, God shows up. We see it regularly, right? And so, let's turn. Jesus deals with this. I want to deal with one it was so important that the devil tried and actually did take away the authority of man in the communion with God. Let's turn to Luke's gospel chapter 4. If you remember in Genesis, it says, let us make man in our image, right? So, and then he said, go and take dominion. So in the creation, in the early stage of the creation, God created Adam and Eve in likeness of God, and then he said, now go and take dominion. Well, you know the story what happened. The devil comes in. He convinces them that God is not to be trusted. Did God say, right? And so they rebel. We know from 1 Samuel 15 that rebellion is as the spirit of witchcraft. So in our rebellion, in our grandparents' rebellion, they opened up the door of witchcraft and they gave away the kings, uh, the kings of the authority to the darkness, and that consists, that went on. Look at what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, in Babel, right? That humanistic place, let's make a tower to God so we can go into the heavens, let us, right? No, no. So that rebellion is costly. And so we see in this where Jesus, we're gonna to start to plant the 
foundational plan of how God got the keys back. Look in Luke 4. We've covered Luke 3 a lot when it says you must be baptized, right? If Jesus was baptized, I think it's a good thing that we would be baptized. And so, even though he was sinless, he was the God-man. We know from Philippians chapter 2, it says, he thought it not robbery to lay down his kingdom power, not his divine nature, but he laid down his power, then filled with the Holy Ghost, he thought it not robbery to become like in human form unto us, and he then walked this walk that we walk, filled with the Holy Ghost, and modeled for us that you can do this. Any man or woman filled with the Holy Ghost can do this, right? He modeled that for us. Okay. Well, once he's water baptized, he now, now filled with the Holy Spirit, the Trinity shows up, right? It says, Jesus goes under the water with John the Baptist there. It says, heaven was rent, literally means torn wide open. It says, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes down. The Father speaks and declares the identity of his Son. This is my Son, right? So now you got the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity of God empowered. And the next verse, it says, now Jesus full of the Holy Ghost. He's 30 years old. He doesn't start his ministry until he's powered by the Holy Ghost. Look at 4, Luke 4, 1. Then, Luke 4, 1, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Now, some of us lock in on the one time the devil comes, and it's quoted here. He was tempted for 40 days. Read that. King James New Living, Translation says this, for 40 days he was tempted. I don't know about you, but the first day you fast, good Lord, hallelujah, that chocolate cake's calling out my name, right? I know you do, Katie. It's really, Lord, I'm not going there. Okay. I'm not walking in sarcasm in Jesus' name. Okay. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, he's, he's tempted for 40 days. Verse 3, then the devil said to him, if, checks, he may, always t- tackles the identity. Does God love you? If, if you're the son of God, take and change these stones after 40 days of not eating to bread because you must be really hungry. Jesus tells him, no, the scripture says, people do not live by bread alone. Well, then the devil, okay, that didn't work. So then the devil, he translates him, takes him up, and he reveals to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. I, now listen to this. Is the devil lying here? Listen to this. I, the devil says, will give you the glory of these kingdoms and the authority over them because they are mine to give to anyone I please. I will give it all to you if, if you'll worship me. Now, I love the, it says that Jesus replied, the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. King James says it in verse 8, Jesus answered and said unto him, get behind me, Satan. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only will you serve. Worship is a form of ministry. We're going to look at this, the last part of your handout. I have it on the bottom there from 2 Chronicles. It says, minister to him. So Jesus is quoting a scripture that says, you minister, worship the Lord, and you serve him. That's the scripture. And so we see that, one, a couple of questions here. How did devil get this authority? I've already alluded to it. The garden right? There is this rebellion. Our authority was taken. We get actually exited our, Adam and Eve are exited from the garden. They got to go toil. And then rebellion, man's rebellion, rebellion, rebellion opens doors and doors. And we come into agreement. When you come into an area um, where there's been sin, repetitive sin, we can see this from the book of Daniel. Remember when Michael is fighting over the prince of Persia? which is Iran, there are territorial spirits that have been operating in a particular area because of the repetitive sin of the people that are there. The same is true with those who worship God and have routed the devil out. There's a spirit of peace and light. I've had people drive down I-40 from other states and says, as soon as we came into New Hanover County, it's like 
It's lighter here. Praise God, right? We, we know when I was in uh, Santanaim, this place was an ungodly place. I will cover this during Breaking Free and uh, during the Wednesday nights. This was an ungodly place. It was so ugly and territorial and immoral. And when one of our team members flew out of that, there was an area where he had been oppressed and this thing left him in the middle of we left the airspace and the Holy Spirit says that was a territorial spirit that could not go with him. There are territorial spirits that operate in certain regions over the United States, right? We know eventually there's going to be sheep and goats nations. All right. I'm just trying to lay some foundation. What we see here is this is a battle that's going on. So was the devil lying when he said, they're mine? He wasn't. He had gotten the keys, right? He had gotten the authority. Now you watch. Let's just play this out. Walk with me on this. Jesus didn't tell him, devil, you're a liar. No, he said, you worship the Lord God and serve him only. Right? So there was not a dispute there. In John... Let's look at this. How about this question? So, if he's called the God of this world, Satan, the little G, right? You don't need to look, th- look there now, but in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, it says, the God of this world has blinded their eyes that they cannot see the truth. The little G, right? Jesus said this in John 14.30, the ruler of this world is coming, but he has no power in me He has nothing in me. So the question is, how much authority is in you and from what source? See, when you dabble in sin, you crack the door open and then you wonder why you sow this, you reap this. Galatians 6, 7, God will not be mocked. When a man sows, a woman sows, they shall also reap. You sow love and understanding and forgiveness, you get it back. You show yourself friendly, guess what? You have friends. You show bitterness, anger, racism, hatred. Guess what? You get it back. And so that's just the gospel. That's a, that's a fact by Scripture. And so we see here that the God of this world has blinded their eyes. But then he goes on in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, become the reflectors of God's glory. When the veil has been pulled back, they can now see. Remember when, when you got first saved and the, and the Lord pulled back the veil, it was like, what in the world? In fact, one of our guys at the men's group shared recently says, so many years I missed this opportunity. Well, God's, he can make it up, multiply, acceleration, right? And so there's something about when the veil gets pulled back and we become the reflectors of the glory, it's so much fun. It's, it's like this opportunity. I, I love what um, Mike Henderson says every day. He says, okay, God, you got a divine appointment for me. What am I doing today, Right? Some of the guys sitting in this row are right there from that divine appointment, right? I love it. So this is that opportunity where we need to ask God, how do I reflect your glory today? Because we're supposed to love God and love people and walk in the Spirit. This battle that we're on, we're going to look at how God gets the kingdom back, the keys back to the kingdom and gives them then as an opportunity to us. But as a witness, I want to show you a short video clip. You guys will prepare. Um, Corey McDonald was in my office uh, Thursday, and Neil and I were there, Neil Blake and I. We were kind of just talking and chatting, and Corey pulled up this. I, I haven't followed boxing. In fact, my mom's, I hate that stuff where they box and beat each other up. But, you know, hey, I'm not a WWE guy, but hey, all right. Um, but I do like testimony of guys who fall off and then find Jesus get back on track, and then completely glorify Him. I love those stories. And um, you're going to see this short clip. Let me just give you a little bit of background on this. This is a British fighter. He grew up in Manchester. We've been there and done ministry trips to to Manchester, England. And um, Tyson Fury grew up there. He's 6'9". Can you imagine? (laughs) 6'9", a big guy. And uh, he's now the the heavyweight champion of the world. Is that right, Corey? I got that right? Yep, undefeated. But he was defeated in 2018. He was defeated by, uh, let me get the names right, Dante Wilder beat him in 2018. It was questionable in the fight, but at that point, Fury goes into a deep depression. He ends up suicidal. He's got five kids. Suicidal, depression, alcohol, drugs, gains all this weight, loses it. They pull his title away from him. They disqualify him. 
And then he finds Jesus. <laughs> Let's run it. Didn't you, or what is it? And uh, it, can be alter, it's a, it can be an alter ego. It can, it can be a spirit. You know, it may be an ancestry spirit. Who knows? A part Nigerian I don't, as well I don't too. believe in all that stuff at well, all. I do. Because that's Jesus the, Christ is my savior and I don't believe in all spirits and alter egos. And, and, Honestly, and that's, that's the difference if God is with me, me and you. nobody can be against me. And it, it's going to be I'm your God against spirit. my God. Top from Fury, terrific right hand. And down he goes! Right hand, left hand! It's over. Is he going to get up? Can he get up? Can he get up? He does. Oh my goodness. Somehow Fury has managed to get up. The referee is having a very, very close look at him. Is he going to love? I'm cheering for you. What was the feeling when you saw him rise up? So when I'm seeing him rise up like he did, you know, one of the things while me opening my mouth, being surprised, another thing go, went through my head like, if you don't believe in God and think he's real. And I think God woke that guy up to get up for the second rematch. I don't want. It's going to be no God against my God. No God against my God. No God against my God. Have you got anything you can tell us about? about yes, I have. I've got lots to tell you. Go on, just give us. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Is that your reaction to what people who want you off the spotty shortlist? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And what about you being stripped of your belt? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's, uh, you must be very unhappy with that. What's your reaction to that? Jesus loves me and he loves you too and he loves you too. He loves these people in here and he loves everybody in the world. You All you've got to do is repent of your sins and you will be, be forgiven. And do you think you can win spotty? Do you want to win spotty? John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall have eternal life and shall not perish. Okay, Tyson. Uh, any, final, any final message to those people who have criticised you in recent? There's been a lot of criticism from people in signing petitions to the Scottish national people, to all sorts of yes, people. Yes, yes. Just, give us, just give us your take on it. Do you stand by your comments? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Okay, the only way is through Jesus into heaven. That's all I can say. The A to Z, the Alpha, the Omega. Jesus Thanks. is the way, the key, and the only way into heaven. Okay, Tyson, thank Peace you out. so much. Thanks for stopping. <laughs> well, Tyson Fury there, seeming pretty firm with his stance on the matters just there. Uh... Thank my Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. In the power of Jesus, I won this in Germany tonight. You know, I came here to Germany in the lion's den to a great, great champion in Vladimir Klitschko. And my Lord, my Saviour, my Rock, my salvation, give me the glory tonight. In the mighty name of Jesus, I thank you. Amen. Did you notice he didn't take the bait? He did not take the bait. Didn't It just kept speaking truth, right? It was driving the reporters absolutely bonkers, right? And so when he captured the title the second time, it's just this glorification of, of God. And, and uh, there's a witness, right? And he used the platform to witness what is truth. And we all, we all have a platform somewhere, whether it's our family or work or school, or, right? It's just, it's our platform. We want to ask the Lord to continue. So take a look uh, with me. Let's, let's unpack this. Look at your outline and let's, let's turn to Matthew 20. Jesus deals with this so clearly in Matthew 20. He talks about humility and service, and he talks about or encourage us not to self-promote. Don't lobby for your position. You don't need to go get a card that says you're a prophet, all right? Um, if you're a prophet, people will know it, right? Your gift will make room for you. Um, let the Lord do that promotion, because if you try to get ahead of this thing, it'll get messy. Okay, let's take a look at Matthew 20, and let's pick up in verse 20. Matthew 20, 20. The mother of James and John, see moms do this sometimes, right? They promote their sons and daughters. Mother, and not that my mom would ever, here, Lord... Hallelujah. 
Okay. Then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on the right and the other on the left. Jesus answered by saying to them, so the boys are there, because there's a them, right? <laughs> They're using mom to kind of get their position. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied, we are able. Ooh. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right hand. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. Let's stop here for a minute. Because you know James is the first one martyred. So that mother, her son is murdered for the gospel by Herod, right? Same time he's about ready to kill Peter, who's in prison. The angel unlocks the prison gate, right? And so, and you know John, John lived to be, he was the only non-martyred one of the apostles, but boy, did he suffer. History says he was boiled in oil, They tried to get him to be shut up. They put him in the Isle of Patmos in prison. He wrote the book of Revelation. So he went through some things. Uh, and yes, they did suffer for Jesus. But neither one of them denied. And so that was good. Verse 24, when the other 10 disciples heard that James and John had asked, they were indignant. This is where jealousy, right? Jude, the book of Jude, we studied that in men's group. This is the jealous brother stuff. Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the world, they lord it over a people, and the officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it should be different. It will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become a slave, your slave. Those are strong words. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Let me read the King James, verse 26. But it is not so among you, but whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. You see the ministry and the servant aspect there. Even the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister and to give his life as a ransom. So we see, the, we see the ministry of Jesus to the people, and we see the service heart of Jesus to the ministry, right? And so he said, this, this is not the way it's supposed to be among you. So let's turn, turn a little to the right, to Matthew 28. And in Matthew 28... This is after the crucifixion and the resurrection. I want you to see this language that is clearly there's been a demarcation and a gathering, a regaining of authority. Let's just pick up. This is the Great Commission. This is in verse 18. So Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and he told the disciples, I have been given. Whoa. I have been given. See, now he's... He's come out of the grave three days. We'll look at this, some of the scriptures around this in Peter and Ephesians. For three days, he descends into the earth and he goes to the place of Hades. It says, in Ephesians, it says, he who, first, uh, who ascended also first descended into the lower parts of the earth and he preached to the prisoners that were there. Peter says it and also we see that In, in that scripture there. And it says in Ephesians. So Paul says it and Peter says it. We'll look at it a little more. So it says, I have been given all authority. Where? In heaven and on earth. There was no question he still had it in heaven. But he got it back on the earth. And after the resurrection power, we'll see in Revelation, where he goes up to say, he says, I'm the one who was dead and I'm alive and I have the keys of hell and of death. Basically, I got the keys back. Right? <laughs> Now, this is good news for us, because listen, therefore, go, well, therefore what? Because you've been given, I have got authority in heaven and earth, therefore, now you go 
and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. King James says, Jesus spake unto them, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore, teach all the nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all things whatsoever. I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So I want you to see, we lost number one there. It says Jesus got the authority back. He got dominion back after the resurrection. Man lost the authority in the garden. I've listed it there. We looked at Luke already, number two. Number three, I love this statement. The Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men can become the sons of God. Isn't that awesome? He calls himself over and over again in the book of Matthew, the Son of Man. What was he? He was fully God and fully man. He became the Son of Man. God became, took on flesh, born of a virgin, right? Took on flesh. He became the Son of Man. Why did he do that? So that the sons of men could become the sons of God. Now let's take a look at this. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. In Revelation 1, where he talks about the keys, John, the revelator, shares this in chapter 1. In the letter to the churches, he addresses this. John is undone by what's going on and what he sees. and speaks of, let's pick up in um, verse 16. So Revelation 1, 16. And he had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was that like the sun that shines in his strength. Wow. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the last, the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen, and I have the keys of hell and death. So when he ascends, I wasn't going to go there, but let me, let me just have you take a peek at, uh, turn to First Peter in chapter 3. Just turn to the right, oops, turn to the left, and get to First Peter, and let's look at verse 19, First Peter 3.19. Here's Peter's account where he, he preaches to those spirits that were in prison, those who were disobedient in the Old Testament. We know also from, if you, I won't turn there this time, but let me just kind of fill you in. Remember when Abraham, um, it's, it's described that Abraham has this holding place before the resurrection when the rich man and Lazarus, remember this? The rich man had all of his lavish stuff and Lazarus would sit at his doorstep and the dog, he was sick, he was obviously injured and he would get the dog scraps and the, and the dogs would come and lick his wounds and, this, and the rich man would step past him. And they both die and it says the rich man went to the place of Hades where there's complete torment where the fire does not end. This idea that there's no hell, I don't know what book you're reading. Hello? That, preach, that's, that, that is heresy that's being preached today. That God loves everybody and nobody's going to die and go to hell. What book are you reading? No. That's itching ears. So there's a truth here that says the rich man goes to Hades where he's in the flame and he's so tormented, he screams across the gulf to Abraham, Abraham, let Lazarus dip his finger and cool my tongue so I'm tormented in the flame. Abraham says it's not possible. You had your chance, right? Well, he says, and at least send someone back from the dead to talk to my five brothers. He goes, if they don't receive it from the prophets, they won't receive it. They already sent Jesus back from the dead. Anyway, so what do we see from that? We see here that Peter then picks up in verse 19, 1 Peter 3, 19. So he went and he preached to the spirits in prison, those who disobeyed God long ago when they waited patiently, when God waited patiently. Listen to that. God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Only eight people were saved from the drowning in that terrible flood. What a picture of the baptisms. 
So we see that. Turn to Ephesians. Turn back to the left. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I know this is a Bible roulette here, right? Go to Ephesians chapter 4. I'm just trying to lay some foundation. We need to rightly divide this truth and understand what God did, how He got the keys back, and why now we have this authority, right? In Ephesians 4, verse 7, Ephesians 4, 7 says, however, He has given each one of us a special gift. Turn to your neighbor and say, I got a special gift. That's important to know. You got a, it's a special gift. Okay. He has given each a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That's why the scripture says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God, wives submitting to yourselves and husbands, for husbands, I just skipped over, went to the, that was not intentional. I promise that was intentional, honey. That was, I just slipped the page. Okay. I'm in Ephesians 4. It says, verse 8, that is why the scripture says, he led captivity captive, gave gifts unto men. Now he ascended, which is but also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same that also ascended far above the heavens that he might fulfill all things. And then he gave some to be apostles, prophets, teachers, evangelists, pastors for the perfecting of the saints for the works of ministry. So here, here's the point. At the, my understanding of this at the resurrection, when Jesus is crucified, they lay him in the grave. During that three days period, he ascends into the dark place. And de- I'm sorry, descends, not ascends. Descends into the dark place. He then preaches, I believe he unlocks Abraham's bosom gate and says, all you who are godly men and women from the Old Testament, come with me, I got good news. But then he preaches to all those who were in rebellion, the angels that were in rebellion, some of them are still locked up, and he preaches to those who were unbelieving, he says, I don't know what the sermon was, but it probably wasn't uplifting. Now we also know from Matthew, this is a crazy scripture, it says, when Jesus, when, when the veil, when the, when during the resurrection morning, when the veil was rent in two and Jesus comes out of the grave, you can look at it, in Matthew it says, godly men and women showed themselves, they came out of the grave also, and showed them, that, that is like, can you imagine godly grandma who said, grandchildren, you all need to love God, and yeah, 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 whatever grandma, and all of a sudden she's out of the grave and says, I told you. <laughs> so when he makes this ascension, that's just a wild scripture, you know, look at it, but it's like, it's like, okay, there was so much power, what he did is he unlocked and all the, come on, I got the keys back, I control hell and death now, I got it, Right? And that's why he says, now it's been given to me. All power and authority has been given to me, both in heaven and in earth. Now you go. You go and minister. You go and serve. Right? You, you, you step on the devil's head. We're going to see this more and more. Um, we've been seeing some deliverances in the last month or so that have been rivaling what we see overseas. Here. Why? Because there's so much darkness descending all over this city and this locale. The darkness, the unbelief, the witchcraft, the new age stuff that's moving. God says, look, I'm going to raise up a people who understand what they have in their hand. And so he says he's been given us fullness of authority, right? Let's pick up in number four there. It says, you have been given gifts and talents. Serve them, use them well. But then he goes on and he says, Jesus said, I washed your feet, So my question to you is, where's your towel? Where's your towel? Where are you serving? Where are you washing feet? Where, where, where is it, right? You want to find a place? There's plenty. First Fruits Ministry is a good place. House of Mercy Ministry is a good place. The Jailhouse is a good place. Prayer Ministry is a good place. Lots of opportunity right here. Standing on the 40-day wall, praying for the unborn who have no voice for themselves. See, uh, Teresa Maples on that. Get involved. You got to have a towel in your hand because one day you're going to give an account. Matthew 25, we won't talk there because I want to do communion here in a few minutes. Matthew 25 speaks of the talents. Remember the three servants that had different talents? One buries them, two end up, and he says, you give an account for that. So find out what your special gift is. If it's helps, go help. If it's intercessory, go intercede. 
If it's teaching, go teach. If it's taking care of children, go take care of children. Get your special gift in operation. John 13, Jesus washed the feet. Remember, Peter argues with him. You're not washing my feet. Jesus, Jesus turns and says, then um, guess what? You're not going to be with me at all. And Peter says, well, wash all of me then. Jesus didn't take him up on that, but he, he, he said, no, I'll wash your feet, Peter. Now go do likewise. Greater is he. I love what was quoted from the stage this morning. Number five, greater is he that is in you than he that's in this world. 1 John 4, 4. We all need to get that down in our spirit. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 8, 11. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and quickens your mortal body. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. Come on, when you start getting that word down, it's like, that's like, wow. This whole, this is wild. The whole ark of the presence. In the Old Testament, you know, that was a foreshadow. We just finished the Hebrew study. What a great study that Lisa and, and Bishop did. That whole study is a foreshadow of the New Testament. It says the Old Testament has now become obsolete and we have a greater and better covenant, right? So the things of the foreshadow, one of them was the ark of the presence. God constrained himself in an ark, a box, Right? Just now, he's constrained himself in us. Know ye not that you are the presence? You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. How does that work? I don't know. But it says we walk in his presence, and the more we let him have our presence, just like in the ark. When that ark was in the right place with the righteous people, he blessed them, right? Goes to Obed-Edom's house, blessing, blessing, blessing. When the Philistines capture the ark and they put it, guess what happens? They all get hemorrhoids. I'm not making it up. Go read it. They even fashioned golden hemorrhoids. I don't know how, what, even what it looks like, but they, they wanted to honor the God of the hemorrhoids because everywhere this ark and his presence went, where there was ungodliness and a lack of righteousness, it caused that present, caused torment. That's why when we walk in a place where there's witchcraft, that devil responds. Oh no, the people of light, I hate you. This week was, I hate you and I hate the blood of Jesus. Good, because it's coming after you right now. Ah! I love that sound. The presence of God, His presence. Don't you know that you're to go and make disciples? Number seven, you're the light and the salt of the earth. You've been given power over all power of the enemy. Luke 10. We need to stop being wimps. No wimping out anymore. We have been given power and authority. So walk in righteousness, choose to repent, get rid of our stuff, we're about ready to take communion, whatever's going on in your life that is not holy and righteous, repent of it. I love what he does. 1 John 1, 9, if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you from all unrighteousness. If I genuinely repent, the God who knows everything cannot see it through the blood of Jesus. And he makes an exchange. I don't care what you've done anywhere. I tell people like, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. He could never forgive me. I said, you're not powerful enough to be able to block out the blood of Jesus to the repentance. It's, you're not, I'm sorry, that's a lie. <laughs> right? The blood of Jesus is so powerful. So I'm going to invite our men, if they'll bring the communion table over. And invite our ministry, te- our worship team up. I want to s- just land this thing with it says, "You have been given power, but for what reason?" Uh, number nine, I listed it there. First John three eight says this. First John three eight says, "Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil." John fourteen twelve says. Go and do likewise. Greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. So if Jesus' job description, right? In John 10, 10, 10, he said, I've come to give life in all of its fullness. The devil's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Then 1 John 3, 8 says, Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil. Now he says, now you, since I've gone to the Father, because of my power, my authority, I'm now commissioning you to go and destroy the works of the devil. 
go and do it. And then you're going to do greater works because I'm there with the Father in heaven and you're seated with me in heavenly realms, Ephesians 2. So go and do this thing. Come on. And it's so, I'm telling you, it's so much fun when, when, when you know your assignment in Christ and when you see the devils screaming and begging for mercy and then the people testify of their freedom, oh, it is like, yay. It's just like, so we thank God that he's, he loves us. He loves us. This week, one of our Spanish ladies who, who doesn't come to intercessory was kind of called by the Lord to come in and we were sitting here towards the end of our intercessory time on Wednesday. She just started crying and made this declaration that God loves us. God loves us. Crying through, God wants you to know he loves you. He loves you. It's like, wow, you sent this servant to just make that declaration. Because sometimes we don't feel too lovely. We don't feel worthy. We don't feel he would use us. And that is a lie. He wants us. So, Lord, I pray that right now, Lord, as we search our hearts, like David read, my wife in our Monday morning devotions this morning was out of Psalm 139, where David says, search my heart and see if there be anything in there, reveals it to us. God, I pray that the revelation, you, Lord, you know, and we know, all it says in James 1, in verse 6, he says, if you lack wisdom, just ask God, and the Holy Spirit will tell you the truth. So God, is there areas of our life that are not pleasing to you? if there's an area of our life that you just want to bring revelation to. So we come and we thank you that on the night of betrayal, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And he invited them. He invited Judas to come. He washed Judas's feet. He modeled for us, knowing full well in advance Judas would do to him and yet he still humbled himself and ministered and served washed feet broke the bread so Lord we just come to you tonight this day we ask that you would forgive us for all sins all sins of omission and commission anything we've said or did or things we didn't do that we should have God we desire you in the name of Jesus.